Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Hello, ladies and hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor Davis Hanson, who is the namesake and star of the show, is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor is a military historian, classicist, farmer, syndicated columnist, best-selling author. You can find much of what he does at victorhanson.com. That's his official website. We'll talk more about that later. I'm the man lucky enough to be asking Victor questions, Jack Fowler. I try to ask questions that I think our listeners would be curious to hear Victor's views on. So we've got a number of such questions for today's show, Victor. We have uh, the Kanye West, Nick Fuentes uh, meeting with uh, dinner with Trump at Mar-a-Lago. We have this Jack Smith, the special prosecutor who seems to be a Democrat hack, Tony Fauci, gives his maybe his last press conference from the White House. We can only be hopeful. And uh, maybe we have time for another uh, another topic after that. And we'll get to the we'll get to this Jack Smith et al uh, topic right after these important messages. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. 
Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code VICTOR50, that's code VICTOR50, at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Our official home is justthenews.com. That's the website founded by John Solomon. And you can uh, hear this, obviously, you can hear this podcast on many, many platforms. So, Victor, I've got to, I'm going to compress three kind of related news items uh, and to get your broader opinion on all that's going on here. First, we have, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, Merrick Garland has appointed a Democrat um, uh, prosecutor, Jack Smith, to be the special prosecutor for this um, investigation, twofold investigation into, hey, did Donald Trump have uh, documents at Mar-a-Lago that he shouldn't have had post-presidency? And two, what did he do to try and forestall the 2020 election results or or see that, they, that Joe Biden not become president post-election uh, day? So that's what Smith is doing. Turns out Breitbart reports uh, a week ago a, a story that Jim Jordan, uh, the congressman from Ohio, has found and uh, inf- news that uh, information that uh, Jack Smith is a Democratic hack who was very involved in trying to go after people, this a few years ago, who were conservatives who were um, irate, angry, seeking justice over IRS uh, big shot Lois Lerner and her attempts to uh, keep uh, a nonprofit status from applicants. So we have a Jack Smith thing. Separately, we have news out today 
um, from, I just saw this on the Washington Examiner uh, website, that the Republican House committees have sent a notice to at least 42 high-ranking Democrats from the Department of Justice and Department of Education, et cetera, uh, that they're going to want to have them up before their committees to answer questions about uh, the FBI uh, breaking the chops of parents and actually you know, trying to go go after parents at school board meetings last year. We have broader questions about the FBI, about border security, and other um, other issues. And then the third thing, Victor, uh, is that there's also news that the Democrats have a George Soros-funded, I'm sure it's not only George Soros, many others, a war room that's created that is going to be engaged in trying to battle in the public through social media and, the, and their friendly uh, news sites uh, these uh, Republican House investigations into Hunter Biden and other things. So, Victor, there's this back and forth of uh, of um, investigations and the like. Any of those or all of them, what, what would you like to say about this, Victor? Well, I, I wrote a column not too long ago about the, called the same old, same old. And I said that with the announcement of the special counsel, Jack Smith, and remember Jack, it came right after the midterm. So it was that cluster of, oh, wow, it just happened sort of kind of maybe that we're going to announce a special counsel to go after Trump. It just sort of kind of happened maybe that we're going to leak that there were no nuclear secrets after the election in the trove, which we had you know leaked that there were. It just sort of kind of happened that Sam Friedman Freed, or we could call him Bankman Freed, it just sort of kind of happened after the elections that uh, his whole democratic uh, philanthropy project collapsed with his Ponzi scheme, along with his Ponzi scheme. And that's the bookend, Jack, to the pre-election timing. It just sort of kind of happened that we're going to forgive student loans right before the elections. This sort of kind of happened that we're going to give amnesty for marijuana. It just sort of kind of happened that we're going to drain the strategic petroleum reserve. So I take all of these announcements in the context of political uh, opportunity. But I said in this column that we're going to do, we're going to hear the same thing that we heard about old Bob Mueller. Remember here, the consummate expert? Dream Team, I think Max Boot called it a kill, hunter killer team. Right. Uh, the All Stars, pros, we heard all that, and we're already hearing it about Jack Smith. I think that Andrew Weissman, who really shouldn't be tweeting, given his naked partisanship and his inability to quite hijack that uh, Mueller, he tried his best, but even he couldn't come up with anything incriminating. But nevertheless, he's out there commenting what a great guy Jack Smith is and how tough he is. And I said that they were going to call him, they were going to say, oh, he's a, a consummate professional. He's so tough. He's so unbiased. And of course, we learned that he was unrelenting before the 2012 election to make sure that PACs, uh, excuse me, that nonprofits uh, that were conservative in nature were not formed or were delayed in being formed uh, so they could not affect, he felt, the election. He was a zealot. And then there's stories circulating about his wife. There's a liberal um, New York Times former columnist, I think James Rison. I'm not a big fan of his, given 
his obsessions with various things, but he has a column basically saying the guy's obsessed and went after me for leaking something with, about the CIA. And so you can't find a prosecutor really that's not on the left side in this administration or did, that this administration would appoint. The question is this, though, Jack. This is Roadrunner's fifth encounter. The first was Wiley Coyotes. They started the impeachment, impeachment number one. That trial failed. Impeachment number two, that trial failed. Then there was the 22-month, well, simultaneously, there was a 22-month Mueller investigation. That failed. Then there was a Mar-a-Lago raid. We're going to see how that pounds out but this isn't this is the culmination after now citizen trump of a whole series of failed efforts to when we have the tax fraud and all of that so you can see it's an obsession with the left and you got to put it in that context and the question is is this going to be any different and why i'm sort of thinking it might is because as we saw with john durham you can be professional, and they won't be professional. You cannot leak to the press, and they will leak to the press. And you can go before a Northern Virginia or D.C. jury and lose, and they're going to go before a North, Northern Virginia jury or D.C. jury and think they're going to win. What I'm getting at is, so far... These investigations have not had one common denominator, and that is putting Donald Trump before a biased, hard left jury in D.C. This guy will be able to do that. And I think, as we learned from some of the testimonies of the jurors after their acquittals of Sussman and Deschenko, I think their attitude is, we're just going to nullify the evidence. If he's Donald Trump and you put him before us, we're going to find him guilty. I'm not supposed to say that because that shows you that you're undermining democracy or something. But I think that's what they're counting on, that special counsel Smith will get something and that something will be put before a jury and that jury will be weaponized and they're going to convict Trump of something. And they're not sure about the politics of it. Um, they their their hatred of him is so overriding that they're failing to heed caution from other people that maybe you don't want to take Trump out, given although he polls ahead of DeSantis in the primaries, DeSantis might do as well or better against Biden. And so we'll see. But it's it's all weaponized. It's, it's, it's a weaponized situation. We know what's going on. And, and what we, these are sins of commission. But Jack, while, while we're talking about this, we being the American people, there's this big, gigantic Biden elephant in the room. And without any shame on the left of trying to convince us that this was Russian disinformation, the Biden syndicate information on the laptop, it sits there. And it just sits there, sits there, sits there. And this this creepy Merrick Garland who has all of this virtue signaling, dispassionate aura about him is a rank uh, partisan. He's a hack. He's a shyster because if he had any integrity, he would appoint a special counsel and they would look at the laptop 
and they would call in Tony Bobolinsky, and they would call in people he says were in the room with various Biden members. They would get all of the emails. They would look at the stuff. And then I don't know how they would not at least say that the Biden members, probably the president himself, were trading on his office to uh, make an enormous amount of money. And they would bring in the IRS and they would say, this is the amount of money that we think came into the coffers. And we want to see exactly whether or whether it was not reported by Joe Biden, by Jill Biden, by Hunter Biden, by the brother, the niece, the si- a whole bunch of them. But they're not going to do that. And so we'll see. But right. uh, I should say this is the probably the sixth iteration of going after Trump because we can't forget the January 6th committee. And as you pointed out, that's mired in controversy because Liz Cheney thought, hmm, I'm so prestigious, I'm so powerful, I have this name that I'm going to take this committee and turn it into my personal vehicle to destroy Donald Trump. And now a lot of the assistants, i.e. the left-wing staffers, they're saying they're leaking to the press, why, well, my God, she's not going to let us get into what we really want to go into. We just don't want to go after Donald Trump. Because he may be gone. We want to make this a systemic indictment of the entire conservative movement. We want to say the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and all these people were organized and they were paid off and they were insurrectionaries. And we do not want to go into the FBI informants or what Mike, uh, Mr. Rosenberg said about from the New York Times about FBI informants everywhere. And the whole thing was more like a carnival, I'm quoting him directly. So she can't control this left-wing staffers who are leaking that she's obsessed about Donald Trump to the extent that she's preventing a liberal indictment of the entire conservative, quote-unquote, insurrection. Victor, I'd like us you to touch a little bit again about um, uh, the uh, what, what Jack Smith had done in his a decade ago, and this, and maybe even a little broader, you know. Nonprofits are thought of commonly and mostly rightly as organizations of volunteers who want to ameliorate hunger in the in this town or clothing for the poor, support a hospital, support a school, etc. Special Olympics, you a, whole, a broad range of things. But you know, the, the 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 rationale behind nonprofit status is. Your organization is going to do something that maybe otherwise the the Commonwealth or the state would have to do. But by you doing it, you're providing this service. So therefore, the people who support you um, get a tax deduction. But we still have this common good, you know, good do-gooders, local do-gooders is the, the, the mindset of nonprofits. But Victor, we know that nonprofit people, the nonprofits in America today uh uh, you're on a board of one that actually gives grants, and you may be on other nonprofits. But there are gargantuan uh, leftist uh, money sources, the Ford Foundation, Pew, others, who give um, staggering amounts of money. Twenty to, to one, Jack. Twenty to oh, one. I've, uh, I've seen the data on it. Twenty one of I, capitalization. I doubt that. I bet it's even <laughs> bigger. Well, than you that, may be but, right, but the, I yeah. saw a presentation. 
uh, presented to us, when you look at the Tides Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, right. Ford Foundation, uh, Soros Foundation, Gates Foundation, Zuckerberg yeah. Foundation, we're, Bloomberg we're Foundation. With chump change compared to... And remember, all of these so-called nonprofits are allowable on law to emphasize different types of activities that let's let's admit it are ideological does anybody not think the ford foundation doesn't fund exclusively liberal efforts and so and, and political efforts that's the thing political I'm efforts <laughs> and right. i can say that as a member of the bradley foundation we are scrupulous about we cannot go in and fund or identify with campaigns or particular candidates so what we do is traditional american principles and we try right. to we try to support any group we don't really care if they're democratic or republican if they are promoting particular principles that are in line with the original intent of the founders of the foundation but this guy went in right on the eve this guy meaning special counsel smith right on the eve of the 2012 election and he targeted and he was pretty relentless. I always thought that it came out of the IRS, but from this latest disclosure, it seemed to come out of people in the DOJ working with the IRS. Right. right. That he wanted to go down and on the eve of the election, put pressure on these groups uh, so that they wouldn't play an active part in in the election. And this is besides the fact that there's been stories about his wife, who was a documentary filmmaker, who had connections maybe with the Obama project or whatever it was. And what I'm getting at is it's just an insult for Merrick Garland to stand there with a straight face and say that he doesn't, there's no connection between him and Joe Biden when he deliberately withholds this announcement till after the midterms, since that might have galvanized a lot of people. And more importantly, that he gives us praise of Mr. Smith when we know that he's a creature of partisan politics to the extent that the most partisan special prosecutor in the history of this sort of, I think, flawed concept it was Andrew Weissman on the Mueller team. And he's out there tweeting and bragging that compared to him, Smith is a, a, a you know, a bulldog. You know, he's just a puppy. So he is now bragging, 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 and you got the whole apparat, all of the cable news, all the print. They're, they have two themes. Number one, he's the consummate professional, just like James Comey was, just like Andrew McCabe was, just like Bob Mueller was, just like all of them are. And more importantly, he's he's tough. He's a prosecutor's prosecutor. And we should just be very cynical about that and say, no, he has one purpose, and that is to get some indictment, any indictment, and get it in front of a D.C. jury. And when he does that, I think Mr. Trump will be in big trouble, not because he's guilty or culpable, but because he's going to be against the entire wealth and power, not of a special counsel, but of basically the DOJ who's done all of the work. So this guy's not coming in and starting from scratch. He's grafting his his investigation on and he will get on his special counsel team people from the DOJ and FBI probably who have been doing this for a long time. And it's going to be tough for Trump. Yeah. One last thing about Smith and going back in time. And uh, one of the, the themes that you constantly hit on is 
how the left projects. If you want to know what the left is up to, look at what they're attacking. And he is a textbook case of this from what he did back in 2010, 11, and 12. Let's attack conservative groups who are allegedly in, getting involved in nonprofits and politics when they are the, – the scale – that's the, the the daunting scale, Victor, is not the numbers you mentioned before, 20 to 1, which is you know, Pew and, and Ford versus Bradley, but it's the amount of money that these billionaires and whatever put into Arabella Associates and these and these other, uh, talk about dark money, the, the dark money on the left, it probably is Mind the gap. to 1. Who did that? Uh, professor, law professor and mother of Sam... Bankman Freed, his own mother, was ahead of a multi-million dollar right. uh, effort. That that was not a nonprofit. It was a it was a pack, and her job right. was to coordinate dark money from Silicon Valley and channel it in to the leftist of all candidates that were Democratic. But what's the principle? I think our listeners understand what the principle is that ties all of these things together. The principle is that the progressive hard left project has agendas that the people don't want. They want a closed border. They don't want spread the wealth out of control inflation. They want energy self-sufficiency and affordable fuel prices. They don't want this Soros prosecutor paradigm. They want people to be punished for the crimes they commit. They want deterrence. They want a Jacksonian, don't tread on me foreign policy. They're not getting it. And the left knows they're not getting it. The left knows that they don't want to be self-sufficient in fossil fuel energy. They want this green project. They believe in critical race theory, critical legal theory, critical everything theory. And so they know that the people will not support that. And so we, we saw in the midterms, they won't support it. Then you go after the semi-fascists and the un-Americans and the back alley abortions, all of that stuff you distract. But essentially, they know that they can't win in the marketplace of ideas. So each time there's an election, as I just pointed out, they have the pre-election disclosures about trying to buy off the electorate with amnesties for dope convictions or amnesties for student loan debt or free discounts on gasoline by draining our strategic reserve, which is not designed for pre-election politicking. And then they have the post-election disclosures that they delayed announcing, which we we see with the special prosecutor and the disclosures about the troll at Mar-a-Lago. That's what they do. And that's the context we should remember that this Mr. Smith was doing. Right before the election, he was going after these nonprofits. And our friend Cleta Mitchell, remember at the time, was trying to defend them and bring it to attention that these groups were being singled out and dealt asymmetrically with the powers of the federal government after them. And this is also timing. Remember, the great bombshell, Hot Mike, is it just about this time that Mr. Smith was active on the domestic front, Mr. Obama gave the game away in Seoul, South Korea where he announced that, just tell to Medved, he just said, just tell Vladimir, give me a little space, my last election, and we can be flexible on missile defense, i.e., I will tell the Czechs and the Poles, no missile defense, which he did, 
And Vladimir, please don't invade these countries either right before or after the election, which Vladimir didn't, did do. He did not. And then the result is he waited to the opportune time and then he invaded eastern Ukraine and Crimea in 2014. And Obama gave up missile defense, which would have been very handy. You know, we had a stray missile go into Poland. They should have had a missile defense shield that could have handled that, or they could offer Mr. Putin some deterrence. So that's what they do because they don't have a resonant message that appeals to 51% of the population. With um, with enemies like Barack Obama, who needs friends, right, Victor? Well, we have, um, we're going to talk next about uh, the big... The big dinner at Mar-a-Lago, and we'll get to that right after these important messages. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not... You should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'd like to remind our listeners, particularly our new listeners, to visit victorhanson.com. That's Victor's official website. Victor writes a lot of exclusive material for that website. Um, a couple of books worth of material a year, I think. I mean, it's just tremendous um, stuff. Much, some of it's about politics, some of it's personal reflections on farming, a whole host of of things. It's beautiful writing. I really want to recommend it. Um, you can't read them unless you subscribe. It's $5 a month. Well, $5 to get your foot in the door, and it's $50 a year discounted. So check it out, victorhanson.com. You'll also find Victor, links to wherever Victor has appeared most recently, other podcasts, and also links to his books. And uh, you know, if you're particularly if you have somebody who's a military history buff, I've recommended this before. But I do believe the Second World Wars is just a, a, a fantastic 
Christmas gifts. All of Victor's books there are are well worth getting and sharing. So anyway, victorhanson.com. As for myself, Jack Fowler, I um the author I am the author of Civil Thoughts, a free weekly email newsletter published by the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic. Uh, I'd like to be thankful to any number of our listeners who've been in contact with me. They have uh, um, signed up. It's free. There's no strings attached. You're not you're not going to be sold anything. And uh, they claim that uh, what I promise is what they get. So it's a dozen plus uh, recommended readings of articles of, of value and worth that I've come across in the previous week. And I'm just sharing them with excerpts and links. So that's Civil Thoughts. Go to civilthoughts.com and uh and sign up by the way quickly american philanthropic where i say i work because i do work there <laughs> on uh, december 6th we have a webinar if you go to american philanthropic click on events and you'll find the link for the webinar that will be with victor and uh, uh tony woodleaf about the fragility of citizenship victor is the author of the dying citizen and tony's the author of, of uh, i citizen yeah, i think it's gonna be a great hour and that'll be taking place on december 6th so uh, check that out uh, Victor, Donald Trump was contacted by Kanye West, E, however he calls himself now, who uh, said, I want to come by for dinner. And Trump said, come, come on. And he brought two uninvited guests with him. One was a woman, uh, a Florida political uh, expert, uh, Karen uh, Giorno. But the other was Nick Fuentes, which uh, is somewhat known among on the right, he is a white supremacist. Uh, he is a, a instigator, trouble troublemaker, young guy. Uh, but tr he was brought by West. Trump didn't know who he was, but they dined. That Trump would dine at all with West, given his own recent controversies, his raised eye eyebrows. That he would have this other character there, who, according to Kanye West, Trump seemed to have liked him. Who knows? Trump has responded to the criticisms that have come out. But uh, Victor, it's um, I think it's in the whole seems troubling for Donald Trump that he even took this dinner and, of course, the publicity that's come out from it. Uh, is this a blip, Victor? Do you think this has any greater significance or meaning or, or concern? Uh, well, it's not going to go. He shouldn't. I mean, if you're Donald Trump and you're under 360 degree 24-7 media scrutiny, then when you have Kanye West come to Mar-a-Lago, you say to him, who is going to be there? And because everybody wants a picture uh, in a compromising situation, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Why? Not that the media won't manipulate it, but because, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when I'm thinking the clown killer, is it Gacy? 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 He had a picture of shaking his hands with First Lady uh, Rosalind Carter. Did that mean she approved of a mass killer? No. And I think that there was a photograph of a smiling Barack Obama with Louis Farrakhan. Remember that was suppressed when he ran for president? Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, the photographer self-censored that. And so all of these presidential candidates, these presidents, these ex-presidents are surrounded by, you know, and I have a little taste of it when I give a talk and there's eight or nine hundred people. I have no idea who's in the photo op. I have no idea who, when I'm giving a lecture, who's sitting at the table when I'm supposed to sit there and then go give a lecture. 
I try to find out who the group is or what what it's about. And I don't, you know, accept things, not that I'm in high demand. I don't accept things from groups that I feel are kind of out there. But once you go into that situation, you can be easily compromised. And so I'm sure Donald Trump thought, I got to figure out, you know, what Kanye's doing. And he's been helpful to me. He endorsed me. He's worn a MAGA hat. He's got a lot of psychological problems. Is he going to run against me? Is that going to help me? Is that going to hurt me? Let me find out what's going on. And I think Kanye West thought, you know what? I'm under such criticism for my anti-Semitic remarks that I'm going to get a real anti-Semite and bring him along and I'm going to mainstream him with Donald Trump. So I think that's what happened. And it was lax on, on Trump's part. And it it's sort of like, you know, tweeting out that um, that Glenn Youngkin's name is Chinese. He can't afford those errors. And I know his supporters, all of the people who voted for him, including myself, will say, well, wait a minute. Why does he have to be so vigilant? He has to be so vigilant because he doesn't have enough people to get him 51% or at least win electoral college anymore. He doesn't have that number. And when he does things like that, it he loses that 4 to 8% that are going to make the difference in the future of the Supreme Court or energy self-sufficiency or crime or the border. That's the stakes. So it's not just Donald Trump. He's got to have a lot of discipline. And I don't think there's a lot of advisors around him that screen people. And I don't right, know who Nick right. Fuentes is. I, I have no idea. He's a 20-something. I don't know if he's Mexican-American, he's Spanish, but he's apparently Hispanic or Latino of some sort. And so it's, I don't know what the connection is between that, but the official Latino community, you know, is, I'm not saying it's not anti-Semitic because we heard the Los Angeles council members who were the Hispanic future of California right. politics were about as biased and prejudiced and hateful as any group you can imagine when they're caught off guard. But nonetheless, the left does not associate being a quote-unquote marginalized person with anti-Semitic or racist activity. So maybe Trump, I don't know, I don't think he had any idea who he was. And when he sat down, the person probably, you know, it was a performance art effort to say that he talked to Trump and he sat down with Trump and therefore Trump endorses, I don't know, whatever. But there's going to be a lot of this. And Kanye West is not at this point, not rational in what he says and doubles down on. He had a list the other day of all the Jewish, you know, all of the Jewish directors or producers or financiers in Hollywood. And he was trying to make the argument, therefore, that his argument that Jews run Hollywood. Well, just because there's a majority of a particular group doesn't mean they're on the same page. And he should know that better. If, if you were to say, well, African-Americans run rap music and they're all the same, then he would say, no, no, I'm, I'm black and I'm a rapper and I'm different. But that's what he doesn't understand. And I could say out here that 
there's a lot of Scandinavians in Kingsburg, California, and they run the town. Well, they all argue with each other. They're not a monolithic group. I could say when I was growing up, all of the raisin packers were Armenian. They run, they ran the raisin packing non-sun-made packers. And yet they were not coordinated. They were not part of a cabal. Maybe it's cultural. Maybe it's tradition. Your parents did it, whatever it is. But he doesn't understand that prima facie evidence that any particular group is dominated by a particular ethnic or religious constituency does not necessarily trans translate into conspiratorial uniformity. It doesn't happen. And everybody knows that. And so he's he's way off base, and I don't know what else to say about it. It doesn't seem to me like it's going to go anywhere. And if it does go anywhere, you know what people are going to do. They're going to draw up every picture. They're going to post on every media venue, every picture of every discredited racist anti-Semite that is taking a picture or shaking hands with Barack Obama or Bill Clinton, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I don't really think that the fact that Barack Obama shook hands and was in Farrakhan's orbit, I'm not saying he didn't admire Farrakhan in his uh, community organizing salad days, but he knew at present that that's a dumb thing to do. Right. And he probably, that's why he suppressed it. And he can suppress it in a way that Trump cannot. Trump can't, everybody should understand, Trump can't get on the phone as is done in Washington, and call up the head of NBC or call up uh, Ben Rhodes's brother and say, hey, CBS, squash this. Hey, New York Times. Hey, New York Times, Michelle has her, her new memoir out. Would you write a puff piece for us? Remember, hey. remember Biden, Biden, I got the story, Hunter, don't worry, it's not that bad. <laughs> exactly, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they do, but Trump can't do that. It's just the opposite. Right. And so he has no mechanisms to squash a stupid thing. And there's nobody that listens to him yeah. in the media. Well, they all, hate him. All the more, all the, all more, the more reason for him to be absolutely disciplined. And right. he can't, has no margin of error. And it's not about Trump or loyalty to Trump. It's about the agenda. And if he thinks he's going to be the nominee, then he has an obligation to people who are on the conservative side to not lend himself gratuitously to criticism that's going to hurt the conservative cause. Well said. Well said, my friend. Um, hey, let's talk about, I don't think it'll be the last time we'll talk about him. Someday it will be the last time. But Anthony Fauci? Yes. Anthony Fauci. Where do you want to start? He was in the news lately. He uh, didn't he... Uh, he had some interrogatories with these Freedom of Information Acts and email. So all of a sudden, Jack, up. yeah, all of a sudden, Anthony Fauci, who said he was the science and he had his fingers in every healthcare pie, he doesn't know anything that went on. He didn't know anything about communications about gain of function, incriminating information that might come out after the spread of COVID. He doesn't, he didn't have any responsibility for the lockdown. He wasn't, he didn't say any of this. The problem is he has a record. And when you're the head, basically, of the president's COVID team, which he was, and you have been, you know, 
emotionally, radically, hysterically emailing back and forth with Francis Collins and researchers that this is just a bright, shiny object, this idea that it's the Wuhan lab might have been the source of the COVID uh, pandemic, then you've got a paper trail and he's going to, he's going to go in front on that because I, I think there'll be a house committee. The tragedy of, of this blown opportunity with the Senate is you're not going to have Rand Paul as the head of an investigative committee grilling Anthony Fauci. So he had a sigh of relief, but there's going to be a house committee and he's going to go before and he's going to have to explain those emails that will be released. And they won't be completely redacted or they will be in the possession of House members in their unredacted form. And basically, the problem Anthony Fauci has, if we can condense it down to a simple truth, is he has no independent judgment. He changes his his consensus or his opinion or his analysis depending on where he thinks power is. So... Travel bans are racist. They're not necessary. You go on a cruise. That's no problem. And then when it is a problem, you were never advocating it was okay to go on a cruise. You were never saying that travel bans were not that necessary. You want you, you know, we're not going to mask up. We've never done that with an epidemic. In the history of the United States, people just don't wear masks. Then you wear one. Then you wear two. And on and on, you know, there's no such thing that herd immunity, but maybe there is. It's 50 percent, 60 percent, 70 percent, 80 percent. But these vaccinations are 96 percent effective. And you don't worry about anybody else. That's not your job. Your job is to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. That makes you not infectious and not infected. I have somebody else, some Yahoo from Salma, California, doesn't want to. And I have been vaccinated twice. Right. But if they don't want to get vaccinated, that's their suicidal choice. But you don't care because you've got Moderna or Pfizer and you've got an invisible armor around. That's basically what it told us. Did, did you see the info that came out this week, Victor? Now, now yes. you're more likely to get COVID being vaccinated than not being vaccinated. And die. The, the latest yeah. information is by 2020 that of all the people who have died from COVID, there is a greater number who were vaccinated than not vaccinated. And of course, I'm I'm open to criticism of that blanket assessment in the sense that, well, maybe people who had comorbidities or who were very old were more likely to get vaccinated. And given the fact that the vaccination was not ironclad, they died in greater numbers and therefore it does not suggest that the spike protein simulation of the vaccination was itself a cause of morbidity. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I do know this is true. That's not what they were originally announced. So when you say that more people have died in the United States from COVID with at least two vaccinations than not, then you're admitting that the whole premise in 2000, late 2020 and 21, the official CDC, NIH, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases mantra that you were protected from infectiousness and you had a much, much greater uh, propensity not to be not to be fatally uh, infected, that you would you would survive. That's not necessarily true. And we know that now. And 
Yeah. But speaking of somebody, I'm still fighting. The, you know, I'm in seven months of this crazy long COVID, and I had the two vaccinations, and I've had COVID once before with no problem. So I don't think uh, never did Anthony Fauci say this, Jack. He never said this. I am point man designate to craft COVID policy, but this is a mysterious disease. It's for now, unfathomable. We don't know quite what it does. We don't know quite where it was originated. There's competing theories. It may have been in the lab. It may have been outside. The evidence is, is being accumulated and analyzed. We can't make a definite determination at this point. There's a lot of controversies. The Great Barrington Doctors, they're some of the most prestigious names. They have a contrary view to mine, but we're going to work this out. There was never any of that. It was my way or the highway. And because he was not a gifted right. immunologist or biologist like some of his critics were, that all right. of a sudden, each time he made these blanket non-negotiable statements, they were subject to amendment and correction. And each time he corrected them or amended them, as Rand Paul pointed out, he never admitted that. Right. It was always, this is the final truth. And yeah. if I said something yesterday, I don't want to talk about it. But today, this yeah. is the final. And he lost all credibility. And it made... And so then he started going on. He was on Fox, MSNBC, CNN, Network News. And when Fox started to criticize him, he just abandoned it. He should have gone back on Fox and defended his views. But he didn't. And then he became a heartthrob of the left. And he politicized the entire the entire COVID policy, and he ended up basically with a wink and a nod, a green, as the Atlantic article suggested. Well, let's not go back and re-litigate whether the long COVID lockdown was necessary or not. Now he's basically saying that wasn't his idea, that, you know, he, that you lock down the economy, that you shut down the schools, that you social distance, that everybody wears a mask. He's, he's saying that, Jack, because if you look at the death rate per million and you look at just take an example, three states, Illinois, New Jersey, New York, and compare them with three open states, Tennessee, Florida, Texas, the Death rate's not that much different. They're about the same. There's different, there's different, you know, some are less than the other of those six, but nevertheless, they're in the same ballpark. But there is a difference when you look at the school system, the economy, and the collateral damage. It's far less in Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. By collateral damage, I'm talking about suicides, drug abuse, spousal abuse, missed cancer screenings, economic damage children that'll never get over losing two years of their school in these blue states. So he knows that. Right. These were all the things that, that got um, Scott Atlas in trouble because he, as we've talked about this on other podcasts, he was deeply concerned about the broader consequences of these uh, policies. Uh, Victor, did you see him on Fox the other I night? Did. I think he was I on did. Laura's show. I followed I, I thought... him right afterwards. I was. I had a note from somebody that said, this is ironic. There was Scott Atlas and then Jay Bacharia. And Scott <laughs> was talking about 
COVID and the policies and the science, and he right. indirectly mentioned Stanford University. Then Jay Bacharya really blasted Stanford for its McCarthyite treatment of him. And then I mentioned that it was the embryo of people like Elizabeth Holmes and Sam Bankman Fried and right. his parents and a lot of other stuff there. The whole Elizabeth Holmes, the Ronalds, she came out of that embryo. And I got a letter from somebody who said, well, I'm so happy that Stanford's such a wonderful university because you three guys are out are just so typical of Stanford independent voices. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That oh, what wishful thinking. He said something. Uh, of course, he was uh, I thought he was polite uh, and not snarky about uh, Fauci, which is what he was on commenting for. But he said uh that we call it vaccine, right? It's vaccine. Did you get your vaccination, et cetera? Yeah. But he he nailed it. It's, it's an experimental drug. Experimental. That's what it is. And uh, he also he was talking about, you know, so we force someone uh, who's low risk to take an experimental drug. You don't. When does that ever happen in America? And and this has ramifications far greater than than what we're doing right now, what we're handling right now. And it has a different principle. With the spike, yeah. it's more people have, I think, rightly call it gene therapy. It's different. And we don't really know the ramifications because Operation Warp Speed was kind of a Manhattan project and it did save lives because the original strain and the original strain only was pretty much unable to infect or kill people that had the Moderna and Pfizer vaccinations or the Johnson Johnson to a lesser extent. But that didn't last very long. That lasted from about December 2021 to late spring 2022. And then Joe Biden got caught up in it. Then he had this Orwellian narrative that really Donald Trump didn't originate the vaccinations that when he came into office, there wasn't 17, 18 million people vaccinated. There was nobody. And he developed it, and he developed it so well that by June or July 4th, I should be specific, the epidemic was going to be over. And so what Joe did in his arrogance and hubris, he thought, there's only going to be the original variant, and Donald Trump's vaccinations worked, and everybody hates Donald Trump, so I'm just going to piggyback on and claim that I did it all and that I started vaccinating everybody. And Donald Trump, as I said during the campaign, killed 400,000 people. And he never in his right mind understood that this was a misunderstood virus, that nobody, no one who said anything about this virus knew what they were talking about because you couldn't know what it was going to do, probably because it was engineered in a way we've never yeah. seen before. And the point was that he ended up, what? 600, 700,000 people died. I'm not blaming him, but according to his logic, you should blame him because he blamed Donald Trump. And he never thought that would be possible. And then he went out and said, you know, the first booster, okay, the first booster. No, there was something called Delta. Okay, the second booster. No, there's the Omicron. The third booster. And that's where he is. But that no one knew anything about this, and everybody said they did know and were blaming people, and the whole project was weaponized because they saw it as a way to destroy the Donald Trump administration and to tag him with a doctor death and anybody who worked for him. So, and you know, it's funny when you mention Dr. Fauci and Scott Atlas, when 
you read a play, and I interviewed Scott, as you know, on one of our podcasts just recently, that plague upon our house sort of memoir of being in the White House. It wasn't just Dr. Fauci. It was Dr. Burks, who was not just sinister, but incompetent and more so than than Fauci was, according to Scott Atlas. And I will add one other little Philip. If anybody had been on the Stanford campus during 2021, in early January, February, or November, December of 2020, and you had read petitions, faculty senate resolutions, or the general attitude towards Scott Atlas and Jay Bacharya and John Yanidis, you wouldn't have believed it, Jack. Anybody who came in contact with anybody who supported them was was ostracized and condemned and attacked. They were basically called murderers that they had this open policy, the Swedish policy, the Great Barrington policy was right. equivalent to death. These by, were the excuse most me, Victor, but by, by friends, too. It's not like this is just. No, no. It was, happens to I be can tell you as a member of the Hoover Institution, no one wanted to associate with Scott Atlas. And when you tried to tell people that he was onto something, that the scatter shot approach, the shotgun approach of putting all your resources in testing and isolation and masking and quarantine, and when you had 25% of the population, at least during the early variants and still to a, a great degree, were not going to die, kids under 1 to 18, and and... It, would, it didn't make any sense to put so much resources that way when you were letting people go into rest homes that were infected, 15,000 under Andrew Cuomo. So that's what he was trying to say, and nobody was listening to it. But it, it, it contrasts really well with, as I was saying earlier, in the left-wing mind at that university, you can be Elizabeth Holmes, and you can defraud people out of $8 billion and collapse Theranos and make a stupid one-drop, two-drop testing kit that is completely fraudulent and pass it off in experimental trials where some people used it and got false positives and false negatives and were ill because of that, if not worse. And nobody's going to say a word about that association with Stanford. And if you say, well, Victor, she just went back and forth on the campus, and she used all her ties with Stanford in the name. It wasn't Stanford. Okay, then let's go. If your policy at Stanford is to condemn a professor or a senior tenured fellow for what? For expressing something and to try to demonize him and censor him and try to take away his medical license. How about Mr. and Mrs. Bankman Freed? Mommy and Daddy. was an active political who was trying to funnel dark money into the 2022 election. And both of them were intricately tied in with the activities of their fraudulent son to the degree that right now they are announcing to everybody that they're willing to give back the money that somehow was channeled to them so that their luxury condo in the Bahamas will give be given back to somebody back to FTX or whatever. Wow. How do you get that amount of money without paying 50%? You tell me. You tell me. Where is the DOJ? Where is the DOJ at looking at all the money he spread around? Another thing that's really fraudulent about this, have you noticed that that the DNC-related people, these candidates, 
oh my God, I didn't know this. I didn't know anything about this cryptocurrency fraud. So I'm going to take this money that he gave me, at least some of it, and I'm going to give it to charity. No, you shouldn't. You don't take stolen money from investors that was channeled to you fraudulently, and then you say, okay, I'm going to redeem myself by giving to a tax-exempt charity. No, if you had any ethics, you would say this. This money came to me, and I'm going to give it back to the bankruptcy caretakers that are trying to recover money for people who gave it to him. One million of them. And they're not all wealthy people. One million investors lost billions of dollars. And these two law professors, law professors, knew about it, profited from it, and there will be not one word from the legal community as there was against Scott Atlas. Nobody will say, I have a petition that these people should be disbarred. Notice I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. Right. But there will be no effort in the way that they tried to go after Scott Atlas. None at all. And this is that- this is really important for all of us to realize because mm-hmm. the old Democratic Party of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and up until the 90s, played within the parameters. And it was sort of, you know, everybody understood there were certain rules and regulations. This is not the old. They keep saying, this isn't the old Republican Party. It's the MAGA. Well, you know, the MAGA plays within the rules. Donald Trump did not weaponize the IRS. He did not weaponize the FBI. He did not weaponize the CIA. He did not weaponize the Pentagon. These people are different. They see their cause as so morally superior that any means necessary are granted uh, to achieve them. And that's what utilitarianism that Mr. Bankman Freed embraced and what his mother and father apparently embraced as well. That's what that creed says, that if it's if you have a particular strategy or methodology and it's going to result in the greater good, as I see the greater good, then, you know, we don't want to go back to old, fossilized, ossified moral virtue or courage or gratitude, etc. These are archaic ideas because they don't result in the greatest good for the greatest number of people as we define that. Right. Uh, and and therefore, they it's impossible for them to think of themselves as hypocrites because whatever they do is right because they do it. Oh, no, because... They're morally superior to us, and they 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 have a one two step approach to that. Number one, they feel that because they're morally superior to the rest of us, they can say or do anything because it's it's for the cause. And number two, in the John Kerry, Al Gore, or Barack Obama mode, their work is so important, and they're so morally perfect that they don't have to be subject to the consequences of their own ideology. So every once in a while, Michelle can come out of the Hawaii new Hawaii mansion or the Martha's Vineyard mansion or the Colorado DC mansion, maybe even go back one day a year to the, to the big nice home in Chicago and lecture everybody how illiberal and elitist and unfair they are to people. And every once in a while, John Kerry can stop outside of his golf stream and say, look, I've got to use this thing. If I can't get to a climate change meeting quicker, then the whole world's going to heat up. Or Al Gore can't say, I got a big boat and I've got a 
I don't know, a four-finger breaker panel at my big digs, and I use a lot of natural gas, but I have to. And that's how they think. And so this is the whole principle behind this crazy Bankman Freed that because I'm going to save the planet, then I'm allowed to have certain latitudes. I can go down to a tax-avoiding Bahamas and get a $40 million pad and be a complete sybarite and then lecture people about their immorality. And such agree, I can even tweet or say or be quoted as saying, you know, that we Western wokers, it's kind of a sham because mm-hmm. we we can get, we can do a lot of stuff under the pretenses, the veneer of being woke. He's absolutely right about that. Right. And, and his aspirations were to be a, um, a Gates level, Gates uh, a World Economic Forum level in, in dirty clothes, um, master of the universe. Absolutely. He, he, he got it down. Some... He got it down perfect. He looked around at how the left operates and he said, you know what? Young Mark Zuckerberg has got the flip-flops, the tie-dye, the jeans, and Elizabeth Holmes had the Steve Jobs, black get-up, the black pants, the black turtleneck, etc. I'm going to go full slob route and just kind of insult traditional tra- uh, values of decorum. I'm going to be completely messy. My my personal life's going to be messy. I'm going to go kind of like the Harvey Weinstein, you know, that that route. Just be a slob. Yeah. And be outrageous, but I'm going to veneer it with, as I have to, for business considerations that I'm very hard left and I'm going to spread around 60, 70 million bucks. And I gave Joe Biden 10 million bucks and I want something for my money. So these regulators are going to call me in as a dispassionate, quote unquote, referee of new possible legislation concerning cryptocurrency. But I'm going to give them a version that is self-serving and, and favors my own enterprise. And that's what he was doing. And he masked the entire, this entire illegality. I did it for the people. And I'm going to be the next, as you say, the next Bill Gates, the next Mark Zuckerberg, the next uh, Apple, the next Google. But I'm going to be bigger. And you have to ask yourself at some point, what did he ever do? to make that money. I mean, you can argue that Bill Gates gave us Microsoft that makes life easier if you're writing or, you know, you're doing worksheets. He gave us a product of value. You can even say Google did. You can say insurance companies did. Stock invest. What did he do? What did he do? He just made what? I don't know what he did. I mean, I admire investors that have logarithms and investments because they give you a product. I guess everybody wants to have an investment. And if you have hard-earned capital and the banks are not giving you even 3%, 2% interest and you're losing value in your hard-earned money, so you invest it. And these investors have fiduciary trust that they have to honor. But what did he do? He didn't make a product. He didn't grow any food. He didn't mine any mineral. He didn't build any house. He didn't come up with an insurance policy to to protect, you know, middle class people from car accidents or something. He didn't do anything. All he did was make a Ponzi scheme that this money comes in this store. I siphon a lot of it out. And then a new guy joins up because I pay off all these celebrities to Super Bowl halftime commercials. They get into it. I juice the Democratic 
parties, candidates. I get protected from regulation. And then I take the money out, 10 billion, 8 billion, and it's constantly streamed. And then all you all you have to do is hope there's not a 2008 meltdown that killed off Bernie Madoff, or you have to help, hope that you can continue to give so much money to the Democratic Party's candidates that they will shield you. But finally, it got to be so ridiculous that a competitor decided, you know what, we're going to blow the whistle on this guy. Well, he's uh, he makes Bernie Madoff look like a piker. Uh, <laughs> he, he does because... And, but, uh, and remember, and still the lingering outrage about Madoff and is this just like nothing comparable to this uh, this character given the proportion of of the scheme he's uh he's well i mean that there were various reports that he had a 30 to 40 billion dollar empire but that was in inflated in you know inflated valuations of his currency the actual money that was probably there was i don't know eight to ten to twelve billion dollars that he was using so you give me a hundred million dollars i don't put that hundred million dollars investment i take it and channel some of it to alameda or i use it for something else but nobody's going to find out about it because my emails disappear i don't know after a certain number of hours i don't keep books right and as long as people start giving me money and continue to give me money and as long as i get out in the public square with all these neat cool hip celebrities who are buying my cryptocurrency i'm okay and as long as people don't ask me <laughs> hey by the way sam i bought this commodity of yours at 300 dollars, and now it's worth 600 dollars, and you have a 40 billion dollar i want my 600 dollars back right and if there's too many of them and too little people buying into it all then as we know yeah. from the ponzi the Ponzi yeah. schema, it doesn't work, especially Pyramid. when you're capping it off. But there should be, shouldn't there be somewhere billions of dollars? Because even this 30-year-old slob, give all, you know, he buys 16 or $18 million in, of luxury condos. His parents get in for a million or two condo. He probably funneled, his CEO or one of his employees funneled some money to his mom's pack. Uh, he had a $40 million. He lavished $100 million, probably $150 between 2020, maybe even 2018, 2020. But that's still, I don't know, half a billion, a billion. There's got to be billions of dollars that is not in fake, you know, valuation that wasn't just, you know, a construct of, of right. well, th this crypto went up to $40 billion. No, but there, it's got to be somewhere. And I think that's what they're going to try to find out where it is so they can get yeah. back to the investors. Well, good luck with that. Good luck. Hey, Victor, we, we've uh, got time for just one uh, more quick little thing, and we'll get to that right after these important messages. Man, that sunset is gorgeous grill patio sunset hard to get better than that unless you're browsing carvana's inventory while you soak it all in oh burger time so sit back get comfortable carvana's got thousands of cars under twenty thousand dollars just waiting for you i could stay here forever carvana where car buying meets comfort meets convenience download the app or visit carvana.com today 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, nothing big here, nothing policy, nothing political. I just want to know. What did you have for Thanksgiving dinner? And we apologize, by the way, to some of our listeners when we we talked. Uh, the show that was aired on Thanksgiving was a little little choppy. We've got the audio fixed, so uh, that's. And you you talked. It was wonderful hearing you talk about what Thanksgiving was like growing up in uh, Selma. But just curious, what did you have for dinner on Thursday, Victor? I went to my in-laws and we had a wonderful assortment of meats which i like even though our hosts were vegetarian but there was a wonderful turkey and ham the whole traditional no, tofu, no tofu turkey it was a real turkey yes, Good. and then the day after thanksgiving my wife cooked a big turkey for the two of us <laughs> Good. And That's what my had, wife's doing right now. I like that. Yeah, we had a turkey dinner, and now I think we're going to have turkey soup for a week. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> that was good. that was good. And uh, Mrs. Hansen I, is a terrific cook. I've had the had the luxury of of uh, having her feed me a few times. So she's terrific. So good, good, Victor. Hey, um, we were out of time, so let's let's get do the things we do at the end of this podcast. We want to thank our listeners, and if uh, particularly those who uh, who listen on uh, Apple Podcast or iTunes. Not that you're better than and if you listen on i on uh, you know Stitcher or Google Play, but uh, folks who listen on Apple can rate the show zero to five stars. Practically, everyone gives it five stars. We thank you for taking the time to do that. And then some even leave written comments, and we read them all, take them to heart. Even the ones that say, shut up, Fowler, take very much to heart. And here's one uh, from Bernie Bernie Reeps, R-I-E-P-S. Bernie wrote, and it's titled Maybe. Uh, anyway, it's, he writes, love this podcast. I am a Central Valley resident like you. I'm concerned, Victor, that you mentioned how easy it is to find you. I've told my wife I would love to meet you, but I would never just show up, as you say people have done. Be safe, <laughs> VDH. My wife and I enjoy listening to you. Words of wisdom freely available. We always are edified by hearing your perspective. That's Bernie Reeps. Thank you, Bernie. And thanks to everyone else who left messages and notes and uh, and who listened. So we'll, we will be back uh, soon uh, with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody. 